Hey, Coach Chris Miles, good to meet you. Hey, Chris, good to meet you as well. Hey, Coach Monica. Hey, Monica. Um, ACC Network. Uh, so super familiar with your squad. <laughs> also, literally, like, grew up on the W when you were doing your thing with Houston. Uh, loved your lipstick. Like, that was one of my first images of, like, women lipstick popping, no matter whether how full our lips are. So, <laughs> awesome. I appreciate that. <laughs> Step into the mic, four-time WNBA champion, two-time Olympic gold medalist, nine-time WNBA All-Star, uh, current UVA women's basketball head coach. Let me see. Did I forget anything? Oh, yeah. Uh, the first Iron Woman in the sense of leading the league in minutes three times, including the playoffs one other time. We're going to get into that a little bit later uh, in the podcast. Tina Thompson, thank you for stepping to the mic today. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I know what it is that I, did, I left off the list. So many accolades. Uh, top 15 player in WNBA history. You were officially named that. So we have to make sure we put some sauce on that too. So <laughs> take us back to the very first WNBA draft. You were the first overall pick ever in the inaugural WNBA draft. And you join a team that Monica knows is being legendary with uh, Cheryl Swoops, Cynthia Cooper, uh, just all-time great players. And here you are, this young player that has to come in and fit in. What was that experience like stepping on the court with uh, these two amazing players in, in competing and winning championships? Did you know immediately that you were on this team that could be a dynasty? Well, um, pretty quickly, I did. I mean, probably after a week, I think that we knew like how team, how good our team was. And even without Cheryl, uh, a lot of uh, people forget, but she was pregnant in the first season. So um, Cynthia and I kind of started that season along with Jeanette Arcane and our other teammates um, without Cheryl. So, I mean, we had pretty much kind of established our dominance even before then. And then with the addition of Cheryl, then it just kind of made it that much sweeter. But um, fitting in is not a word that I use most. I mean, I work really hard. I usually insert myself. So um, it wasn't difficult to kind of insert myself with the caliber of player. I think that, um, you know, some people get um, intimidated by that. You know, I was charged by it. And, you know, Cynthia Cooper's leadership and her example was one that was obvious right away. And uh, I followed and, and, and tried to match it. So we all just took in the last dance. And I know my friends who are women's basketball fans, WNBA fans have been clamoring for a Houston Comets documentary. I have no idea, Tina, if anybody <laughs> was, is actually working on that. But when you look back at the success you had with that team, what was sort of the secret sauce? Work and just competition. So competitive. I mean, you know, we all had our individual lives and things going on and it's, I mean, that's not unfamiliar on the professional level, but the common denominator was just work ethic and the want to win. So no matter what was going on before we stepped in between those lines, when we were in between those lines, like the mission was clear. And when you're amongst a group like that, it makes it easy because all you have to do is work and apply the pressure. And everyone had this confidence and this, um, knowing kind of about themselves like what they brought to the table and we accepted it and you know figured out how to kind of bring it all together and that didn't happen right away it's not easy at all when you have three eventual naismith hall of famers like on your team but winning 
was the thing that was the most important. So we just figured it out. You know, when I heard Monica just mentioned the Last Dance documentary, and I have my own thoughts on that, that we won't get into another time on this podcast. <laughs> but uh, Cynthia Cooper was in the, the Women of Troy documentary, and I learned so much about her. Yes. So for you, um, you know, seeing someone, another USC woman, and someone who is from, you know, where you're from, uh, in the sense of the same area, what was it like when you first met her? Did you know her past? Had you grown up knowing more about her? Or did you learn that as her teammate? Well, I didn't first meet Cynthia as my teammate. I mean, I knew who she was. I mean, I'm from Los Angeles, USC. I attended USC. It's literally 25 minutes away from where I grew up. So I was very aware of the women of Troy. Cheryl Miller is my favorite player of all time. Um, I think that she is the greatest women's basketball player of all time. So familiarity was not something that was an issue. Um, I think the difference was just age. I mean, when I came to the Comets, Cynthia had played professionally more years than I had played basketball in my entire life. So when you think about that, like there was a huge gap in just kind of like personality. I mean, she was very mature. I was in my early 20s. I had just turned 22. And I think Cynthia was 34 at the time. So we were for sure in different stages of our lives. But, you know, like, LA kids, like, I just think they were different, you know, like what we're exposed to in the environment and just the diversity and just kind of versatility that you can have growing up in that environment. Um, who Cynthia was is what I expected. So it wasn't something I kind of had to get um, familiar with because I knew it. You know, she is very much the personality of several guys that played at my park, you know, because I was the only girl who basically played basketball at my park. But, you know, the trash talking, the confidence, like just the go hard, like it's normal. So, you know, getting uh, familiar with Cynthia was easy <laughs> or re, you know, kind of introducing ourselves was pretty easy. I love that when we have the conversation about women playing sports, trash talking, competitiveness, getting after it is all a part of that. And this is a place where we can truly embrace that side of us. I got to be honest, Coach. The thing I remember most from that run, outside of you guys winning and parades and your terrific team and Van Chancellor, was you getting into it with one Lisa Leslie in the mm -hmm. playoffs that year. Um, at that time, we were not yet celebrating women's basketball or women competing at a high level. Did you just think of nothing else other than winning and competing? Or were you ever, did people ever try to put you into a box and say things like that wasn't ladylike or that's not sportsmanlike or things like that? I mean, people have their opinions, but I am who I am. Like I am who I was raised, you know? Mm -hmm. So even playing at my rec center with, you know, my brother and his friends um, and just the men, the grownups at my uh, rec center, I mean, they treated me like a lady because that's what I was. So basketball is part of who I am and it's what I did. You know what I mean? It's right. what I do, but it's not my person. So what I look like, how I dress, how I speak, um, that's not the story. You know, basketball is not that. It's just one of the things that I do and kind of one of the many things that make up who I am. So, you know, for sure, people have had opinions about, you know, that that's not ladylike playing sports, sports are for boys. I've also gotten a, she's too prissy, she's too cute, she's too proper, like how can she be good? So I've gotten, you know, both sides of it. Like who wears lipstick when they play basketball? Like I do. I loved it. It is. 
<laughs> I mean, there's something you accomplished in your career that I just can't fully understand. Okay. And it's something that a man can't do. And if you had a kid and you were back on the court two months later, now full disclosure, everyone in this podcast knows I have a five month old. Okay. <laughs> and I, I was in the delivery room, you know, I was with my wife week two before I've been with her after I have no concept. How in the world did you play in the WNBA app? You have to explain that to me, how you could condition, get back on the court. I mean, do you wish that you took that season off to just get your, your body together? Bring all, bring all that to me. Cause I, I am completely amazed by that. And you're not uh, the no, only player have, who's done it. Yeah, no, I don't have any regrets about that. Well, one thing I have to be thankful to my son, Dylan, because he was very kind to my body. Like I didn't gain a lot of weight, like a whole lot of weight during the pregnancy. Um, when I was about five months, I had only gained like seven pounds, which is crazy. Um, and then, you know, by the time that um, I actually was having Dylan, I was somewhere around like 21, 22 pounds or something like that. So it wasn't an obscene amount, um, but it for sure wasn't easy. I mean, coming back, I did not feel like myself, but I also felt like I had a duty to my team as well. And it was my job. I didn't feel comfortable getting paid and not working. I mean, considering to at the time the state of the WNBA where you know salaries and you know I was a um, franchise player and marquee player so I had a tag on me and you know it's just what I committed to you know it's just kind of who I am you know as a person and you know if I'm able to do something then I'm going to do it like if I've committed to do something then I'm going to uphold my commitment and it wasn't something that was impossible you know, I took the six weeks um, and I didn't work out or I didn't do anything. So, you know, my son was born on May 12th and then I played like in July. So, I mean, it was about probably three and a half weeks that I took to oh kind of get, and I just went hard. Like I just have, you know, I've been blessed to have like great people, you know, surrounding me and kind of being with me along my journey. Melvin Hunt and Brent Johnson are two guys that worked with the Rockets at that time and um, they were in the gym with me you know I mean it's something that we did already but you know they committed to help me helping me get back and I just did it uh, uh, man we already know that you're incredible a hall of famer all that good stuff but that is just whoo man that's so admirable but one thing you said there that I think I'm curious to see what your opinion is you talked about the WNBA and your commitment and you're absolutely right you are a founding piece of the league help bring attention to it when you look at where the league has gone what are your thoughts? Are you proud of the way the league is headed? Oh, for sure. I'm proud of longevity because that wasn't something that we absolutely knew in the beginning. There was a lot of brick laying, you know, in those early years, you know, creating the foundation of the WNBA. And one of the things that was very consistent in conversation with, you know, the veteran players that were in the league at that time was building foundations and legacies so that the WNBA would last for generations of little girls to kind of look up to and dream towards, you know, for years and years to come. So first and foremost, it's the longevity. And then, um, the increase in salary that just recently happened, I think that that is amazing. It um, makes the league, in my opinion, a lot more respectable. We can be seen now as professionals. Like there is just 
in my opinion, a stigma like in society that, you know, salary um, is really important when people are talking about or considering what you do a true profession. So six figure salaries being the norm is um, professional, you know? Yeah. And um, it changes just how people see the league and um, the respect level, but it's deserving. The product of the WNBA is high level. I mean, the women that play can really play with a 12 person roster. It's hard to make a team, you know, it's hard to kind of get in there and you have to be able to flat out play to be in there. So there is no sneaking in. Speaking of making teams, sorry, Chris, but you are now, and we got to get into your transition into coaching and all that good stuff. But speaking of making teams, coach, I literally was sitting right here watching the WNBA draft virtually. And when Jocelyn's name got called at 10th heading to Phoenix, it was so, so very exciting for me just as someone that covered the ACC this year. Did you see that on her when you began to work with her or was she kind of surprised at the success she had her junior and senior year? Um, After her junior year, yes, because her commitment and her focus changed. I don't know. I I just don't remember early on her having conversations saying that, you know, she wanted to be a pro. But when she did, you know, we started having serious conversations about what that looks like, you know, about her changing her overall, you know, person and just her commitment to the game, how she led. And there were so many just facets of that. And she did it. She was committed to the work because she had, you know, the pieces, like just genetically, the way she's put together is like, she has a pro body. She can be a pro. And then she's a a very bright kid. She's very intelligent and she works hard, but it was just tweaking little things like having her look at the game different, differently, but also approaching it like a pro. And she did that in, you know, less than a year. So when I saw her commitment change, I knew what was possible. So I wasn't shocked at all that she went at number 10 because of first, how much she grew in -hmm. her junior year. um, Not very many people were talking about Jocelyn. You know, they were talking about it when they were talking about our team. Monica, you're familiar because you uh, covered the ACC, but the country wasn't talking about um, Jocelyn Willoughby. The WNBA wasn't talking about her. She did that in a very short period of time. She grew her efficiency. She added things to her game. She wasn't just a face-up player. We played her on the block and like isolated her. And those were all additions she didn't have before. So she committed to that. She earned that like herself. So um, shock, not at all. And, you know, I know what um, WNBA franchises look for, what general managers and head coaches look for, what's necessary to be successful in the WNBA. And, you know, we have a staff that's full of WNBA veterans and those that are in the know and have that experience. So, you know, we gave her the goods and she embraced it. Yes, she did. She had a great year. Well, you mentioned the experience and growing as a player. Explain to us growing as a coach, because I know you spent a few years as an associate head coach before you got this opportunity at UVA. What's your long-term plan and how do you see the program getting better in the near future? Well, you know, it is just the commitment to the work, you know, like um, people kind of, I, I, 
I feel on the outside looking in think that there's like this special sauce and like it isn't there's no magic peel like it's all rooted in the work so if you want to be good at whatever it is you do you have to put in the time you have to be committed to being a student and learning so I study you know like I'm up at all hours of the night like looking for different um, actions and positions to put my players and my team in based on their skill set. You know, I use my own experience and what, you know, I've done to um, over my career to be successful and knowing what works. You know, I've tapped into some of the things that, you know, coaches that I've played for over the years. Um, I am different. You know, I'm not the, you know, normal kind of average head coach. I'm not trying to be them. You know, I'm approaching the game from the perspective of Tina Thompson. I am for sure a player's coach. I coach the way I played. I think versatility is extremely important. When people have to figure out how to guard you, it puts them at a disadvantage. So it's what I teach my kids. As a player, I was a student. So we don't just run a system. You know, we run actions, we do things, we put our kids in a position to, for them to do the things that they do well, and then growing their, their game. So we're teaching them how to be students, we're teaching them the game, and uh, not just how to be uh, good at what they do right now. I could completely hear you if someone's complaining about conditioning, saying, hold on, hold on. I played 42 minutes a game in the playoffs. You cannot tell me you can't get up and down and score it one no, more time. But, and Chris, um, that brings up a really good question, though, because we've seen at different spots, highly talented athletes and successful athletes don't always transition into coaching smoothly, right? And I, I think back to a quote that Chris and I have talked a bunch about from the last dance where Mike said he didn't ask people to do things that he wasn't willing to do. But because he was so talented and someone like yourself was so talented, um, we just wonder if there's a disconnect for us regular folks that, you know, just kind of played ball and got a scholarship and then hung it up. For you, <laughs> how have you had to, I guess, grow in that role? Because you have been very successful and hold yourself to a very high standard. Have your kids just kind of adapted to that? They want to be good or have you had to kind of grow? Well, I think that they all want to be good. But wanting to be good and doing what it takes to be good are two different things. Like True. they're not the same. They don't come together. You have to go and get one and then each one and then bring them together. Um, no, not every single one of them are like that. If that was the case, then we would have had five Jocelyn's, yeah. you know, um, mm -hmm. Jocelyn is made up that way. Like, of course we had to tweak things and show her and, you know, there is a, I think I know, but I have no idea that you kind of have to get past and then kind of, you know, pour into her and feed that. But um, it is a decision that you make, you know, some for some people, it's just who you are. I want to be good at every single thing that I do. Mm -hmm. I want to be the best that I could possibly be at it. And it is whatever. It's me being a mom, me being a daughter, me being a sister, playing Uno. Like I am competitive at every single thing that it is that I do it. But, you know, I, I study it and I want to know, like, it's just kind of like how my brain works. But when you want things, you kind of have to like seek it. So for me, I don't expect people to be me. I know that I am different. I know that I am unique, but 
if you ask me what it's going to take, I'm going to be very honest with you about the process. And if you are not doing the things in order to get there, I'm going to be honest with you about the fact that you're not doing it. So you're not going to get those results. If you continue to do the same things that are mediocre, you're going to get mediocre results. And to expect anything other than that is insanity. So it is a decision, in my opinion, that we all have to make. I think some of us just have it. And I think that some people can grow it. But it's just a matter of what it is you decide. That sounds like that LA mentality that you were telling us about earlier. So <laughs> around here though, we talk about that Prince George's County mentality as a head coach at UVA. I'm sure you're aware of it. I mean, how, you know, difficult is it to tap into that pipeline and how important is it to try to get some of the talent that comes out of that area? I mean, obviously Monica is one of, one of those products mm -hmm. as well, Georgetown alum, but just, just finding those players from those areas like uh, Prince George's County, how are they different? Well, it is, um, I think that we have just different just areas in our country that are just hotbeds for certain things. You know, when you think about football, you think about Texas, but now they're growing also, you know, in basketball as well. Uh, when you think about the DMV, at least I have always thought like ballers, like it's just what you think, you know? Um, and it's the same thing with LA, it's the same thing with New York. Now, of course the styles are different depending on where you come from, but it's just unknowing. So being um, right up the road, I think that it's very necessary in order for us to tap into that pipeline and for us to get those players. But it's also a choice. You know, we're renovating, we're growing this program to um, the stature that it once was. And it takes a special kind of person to go into a situation and be like, I'm going to be the difference and not go to situations that are already made. So we're going to continue to to prove that, you know, as a coaching staff, that we're not afraid to grow our players. Like we're not, we're not afraid to get three and four star players because those are the players that want to be here. Those are the players that also can survive academically. Like UVA is very unique in the sense that um, um, it is tough, like being here, you know, I mean, collegiate athletics is, is, tough period. And just being a student athlete is tough on the collegiate level. But at UVA, it's a little different, you know, like you have to have two full-time jobs and be committed to doing well at both of them, because that is the expectation, academic excellence, as well as athletic excellence. So you have to be committed to doing it. And you don't have to have it right now, but you have to be willing to get it and be in their environment to absorb, to want to be in the environment, to absorb that, to be open to the access and committed to the work. So it is a very unique position to be in. But like I told you, like, I'm not afraid, like, <laughs> you know, I'm ready for the work. You know, I insert myself in, in positions that I think that speak to me. And um, being a graduate of Southern Cal and alumni, like, UVA speaks to my person. So we're going to find the kids that fit here, that want to be here and, you know, grow them to the point that we reach the success that it's necessary to be looked at as one of the top programs in the country. 
Uh, Coach, you are obviously in a position of leadership, have had a tremendous body of work to support it. Your AD, Carla Williams, um, the first African-American female to be an AD in a Power Five. Vanderbilt made similar news last week. Um, Neil Ivey now joins the ACC as a head coach position. But correct me if I'm wrong, as I'm running coaches through my mind, it'll be just you and her as Black women at the forefront? Am I, am I missing The ACC? Yes. Right. Okay. So that piece, we know that whatever challenge you take on, you're all in. Let's get it. But is that a conversation that you have with your players in terms of representing and empowering women that they can take on whatever positions they want? Oh yeah. We, we talk, we, we talk about that all the time and not just as it regards to me. I think that they're in a very unique and special situation that they're being led by Carla Williams, who is super dope. Um, I am blessed to be in a position to um, kind of be under her leadership and her tutelage because she is good. Like she is really good. And um, it's so cool because for me, this is a first as being a head coach, but to have your athletic director be someone who absolutely gets it, she is in the position that she's in because she's worked for it. She was an all SEC player. She was a graduate assistant for the women's basketball program with Andy Landers. She was then an assistant on that staff. She left from being an assistant to then working in academics and creating a program that, um, um, a leadership program for you know student athletes and then going from there into an athletic director uh, role an assistant athletic director and then becoming one so she has been at every single aspect of athletics and um, making a difference in a big way so to have an athletic director that knows the process knows what you're going through like she absolutely gets it the conversations that we have are different because there is a knowing so much goes with um out saying you know just in regards to what's necessary for growth like it is just really 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 amazing from that standpoint so they get it and they see it every single day so the things that she tells us is what she knows, not what she's guessing. And that's what our players get from a coaching perspective as well. So we talk about um, who they are as people, who they want to be when they leave this experience. It's something that as a staff and a program, we commit to. Like I coach my kids' heart, not just their talent. So I tell them that if you come here, this is what it's going to look like. My commitment to you is to grow you in a way that you are better, you know, when you leave here than in which you came. And if I haven't done that, then we failed you. So it is a primary goal and just aspect of what we do. Love that. Okay, here's my final question before Monica. I know she's got some hot ones for you. So before <laughs> she before she gets out the flavor, here's here's mine that I just need to hear your answer on. Okay, WNBA all-time starting five, but for you, teammates excluded so anyone you played with teammates in houston only only in houston wow. only your houston okay. teammates okay. because that's too eat that's like oh there you go right there so your houston teammates excluded give me your all-time uh, starting five WNBA. oh my gosh that's so hard um <laughs> i'm going to go with um diana tarasi tamika catchings mm. lauren jackson you got two more. Oh, sheesh, I know. That's hard. Putting the pressure on me. 
<laughs> See, Monica, I stumped somebody just like you yeah, this time around. Well, because, you know, like I have um, played with, you know, some amazing point guards. I know. Um, so, uh, you know, I've played with Dawn. I've played with Tisha Penichero. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Teresa Weatherspoon is one of my favorite people on earth. Um, tough, tough, tough. I'm going to go with Tisha because of her size. I played with Sue Bird. Like, how do I, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's tough. But um, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Tisha because of her size. And then shooting guard, man, that's hard. So I got Lauren. We're just gonna go real big. I'm gonna go with Lisa. Come on, jump. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Lisa and Lauren in the post. So wait, let's Diana run it back. Point guard, Diana Taurasi, Tamika Catchings. Oh man, that's a that's a squad right there. But we would expect nothing. No less. regrets. <laughs> All right, coach. So we just we just do a little this or that kind of thing at the end okay. with our guests. And I know you, because I follow you on Instagram, are super fly. Like, that is one of the other things. Like, on the sideline, do not ever get it twisted that Coach Thompson was not prepared for all of the cameras. <laughs> I appreciate that. So we love that. Um, but we just, you know, you're also tasked with leading young women who are certainly all in their phones and all that. So I'm just going to give you two items. You tell me which one. You can explain if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. Okay. Ooh. All right. Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. Mm, okay. Pizza or Chipotle? Mm. Guacamole <laughs> and chips from Chipotle. Okay. Guacam I'm a fan of guacamole and chips. All right. The Wire or Ozarks? The Wire. Oh, what? Like, what? Oh, Monica. What? Monica. What? Ozarks no, is not Ozarks in that conversation is, yet. Yeah, but. Not yet. Ozarks is wire. pretty good. Hold on. It, it is pretty good. And if you're like me, I just got through season one of The Wire confession. Like, I wasn't allowed to watch it when it was a thing. So I'm building into that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, let's see. Jordan Brand, this is kind of easy though. But okay, Jordan Brand women's gear or Nike? Nike. Okay, true, true, true. Um, let's see here. <laughs> Van Chancellor or Phil Jackson? Van Chancellor. That's my I loved him with y'all. He just seemed like such a great guy. He got out of the way. <laughs> I love that. All right, red <laughs> lipsticks coach. And if you're not familiar with these two, I need you to check them out. Ruby Woo by Mac, or um, what is the thing? Rihanna's one is called. Oh, Ruby Woo. That's, okay, um, I was about to say. I know you got your other ones. Yeah, Ruby Woo. Chris, you don't know about that, but Coach <laughs> have a moment because we love it. All right, I'm done. That's all the fun ones. <laughs> Oh, man, that was hilarious because the makeup people, and they, and they always try to explain it to you. Oh, Chris, we're doing this. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right, now. no, that just happened again. Yeah. Oh, no, I do know the Rihanna joint. Fendi, right? Oh. No? No, Fenty. Oh, there you go. The Rihanna joint is Fenty. That's yeah. her, yeah. I was yeah, close. Yeah. Fendi, what? But she actually had a, like, Viva Glam color with uh matte matte. Right. i think that's what she's her red though is great like, it's what? the um <laughs> it's a matte, a liquid matte it's fantastic yeah. one of my favorites <laughs> all right i think we've we've covered all the bases with the hall of famer that's what i didn't say about you at the very top i went through all your accolades and didn't say hall of famer so there we go well, uh, Tina Thompson. we're leading to that like that is the you know the those are the that. reasons why if you if you heard those accolades and didn't put two and two together and realize this was a hall of famer then i don't know what's wrong with you but tina thompson the hall of famer the gold medalist a four-time champion and now the head coach at uva thank you for stepping to the mic
I appreciate it. Shout out Candace Park in the, in the background. Oh yeah, that's the homie. Yep, that's my little one. So that's a good look, Chris. <laughs> Thanks coach. Thanks guys, I appreciate it. Stay safe. You too.